This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life, so I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. Hello, hello, Houdat Nation, and welcome back to Black and Gold Rush. Man, the sub-freezing conditions we experienced during the past week really made me stop and be grateful for the small things in life. Modern-day conveniences, if you will, like water and heat. Here in Lake Charles, let me tell you, running water was hard to come by for several days. It's almost made football feel secondary. Then Friday evening, we learned the voice of the Saints for the past three seasons, former Saints offensive tackle Zach Streif, is returning to the coaching staff as assistant offensive line coach. Congrats to Zach. Initial reports indicate Brendan Nugent will be promoted to offensive line coach, and Dan Rochar will move to tight ends coach and running game coordinator. We'll link to that news in the show notes for you to check out. Zach's Friday interview on WWL Radio reminded me of why I started this podcast. I felt a similar tug, knowing there was something more I needed to do. It takes some courage to act when you realize you have a calling. In Zach's case, he said he has a, quote, huge passion for helping younger players grow and develop. In my case, As a Saints fan since the days when the Billy Joes, Hobart, and Tolliver used to quarterback us, and we prayed just to have a winning season, I see this time, right now while I'm in grad school, to instill a renewed pride and excitement in the Houdat Nation, because our Saints truly bring us together. I realize that having deep, meaningful sports conversations fires me up. When I used to do interviews for my Saints and LSU shows on NOLA.com, I used to always wish I had more time with my guests to really get to know their stories, what drives them, what scares them, what really motivates them to do their best both on and off the gridiron, the field, or the court. Now, I want to emphasize that you'll always get the truth from me. As a journalist and aspiring PR professional, trust me, I know reputation is everything. And I can promise you, Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and the Saints organization plan on competing just as hard next season, no matter who's at quarterback. Loomis said from the Senior Bowl not to expect a rebuild. They're going to do everything they can to win now. When the Super Bowl 55 champion Bucks came from our division, think about it. It hurt, no doubt. Do we want that feeling again next year? No way. So that means as fans, we can't give up. I hope you're with me. Speaking of not giving up, I hope you'll also tune in for next week's episode when I can promise you inspiration on another level from Tim Siegel, who you may remember was featured with his son Luke 
in a powerful ESPN story with Tom Rinaldi about a father, son, and their saints. It really hit home for me as a daughter who grew up loving sports with her father. So I wanted to interview Tim and raise awareness for Team Luke and Brain Injury Awareness Month, which is in March. Now my guest today is also a pretty good one, Karen Loftus. Karen was a New Orleans sportscaster at WGNO-TV from 2017 to 2020 before moving to, guess where, Tampa Bay to be weekend sports anchor and reporter at WFLA. About two months after she arrived, Tom Brady signed with the Bucks, sending shockwaves through the league. As we'll explain, it seems like any city Karen goes, championships follow for all the teams there. She had some great insights on Drew Brees and Tom Brady, the NFC South landscape moving forward, and a glimpse of Super Bowl pandemonium in Tampa. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the lovely Karen Loftus. And again, please hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss my interview with Tim Siegel as soon as it drops. Well, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm glad to be on with you. Well, I'm so grateful that you could take the time after an extremely hectic Super Bowl to record. No problem. Things have calmed down dramatically in the past few days. <laughs> so yes, we will get into this whirlwind year for you and your new city, Tampa. But first, take our listeners back to where you're from and why you decided to pursue your career in sports reporting. Sure. So I'm from Maryland, um, went to the University of Richmond in Richmond, Virginia, and got a degree in journalism, print journalism, because we didn't have a broadcast program at the university, um, a minor in rhetoric and communicative studies, and then sort of did my own thing um, for an internship um, at CBS in Richmond and sort of took off from there. It was um, started in Hagerstown, Maryland, and which is north of DC, about an hour, hour and a half, and went to Roanoke, Virginia, went to New Orleans, and now I am in Tampa. So just moving around, like getting your foot in the door. Excellent. So <laughs> we will get into your uh, time in New Orleans and your unique perspective covering uh, two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks who ended up playing in the, in the same division. Uh, but I'm curious, could you ever have predicted literally that in a span of about a year, you'd be covering a college football national championship at LSU in January of 2020. And then literally it was almost immediately after that, that you moved to Tampa and then the Tampa Bay lightning were in the Stanley cup, then a world series with the Tampa Bay Rays and then a super bowl with the bucks. I mean, that's, it seems like literally wherever you go, teams start to win. Sort of hit the jackpot for, for covering sports. And, you know, it's something that you could never, predict, especially in this industry, you know, you just never know how the teams are going to be the teams that you cover. And I was really fortunate when I moved to New Orleans, mm -hmm. the Saints were coming off three, seven and nine seasons. And as soon as I get there, they're making the playoffs, making deep runs in the playoffs and just have great draft classes and just turn it around. 
So my three years covering the Saints was absolutely incredible and they were winning and it was amazing to be a part of. And then you look at the Pelicans, everything with Anthony Davis and covering him. And then the Pelicans get the number one pick in the NBA draft. So I get to cover Zion. And then that just amazing, amazing storybook season that the LSU football team had with Joe Burrow, getting to cover him win the Heisman and getting to cover LSU win the national championship in their home stadium for all intents and purposes in New Orleans. And like you said, just one championship appearance and title after another. And it's just been absolutely incredible. And I've, I've tried to stop along the way and been like, man, this is really, really neat because you never want to get caught up in, you, you never want to take it for granted because this isn't something that everybody gets to experience. This has just been a really, really neat year. And I'm just so grateful um, that this is where my, my career path has, has gone. Well, I can sense the gratitude in your in your voice. And right, you mentioned that you got to New Orleans in 2017. And it was that 2017 draft class for the for the Saints that now they're faced with so many offseason questions, you know, with uh, what to do with their uh, salary cap. And because so many of them have produced such amazing results and led to four straight division titles. They swept the NFC South for the first time in the division's history. But now the Saints and Bucks rivalry is obviously taking on a new dynamic with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl, no question about it. But it the season started off, you know, Saints fans were optimistic after the Saints swept Tampa in the regular season. I'm curious, what was the mood like in Tampa when the Saints blew them out in Raymond James Stadium, 38-3? to That was a tough stretch for the Bucks, and that was when they were coming up on the end of the beginning of their season. They had a very, very late bye week, and they were still trying to pull things together. You know, you talk about a whole mm-hmm. bunch of offensive weapons and a new quarterback in a new system with no offseason, and mm-hmm. they were still in games, but except that one. But the Chiefs and the Rams, I mean, you talk about them losing by three points. And you just saw that there were still some things that needed to be ironed out. And it wasn't the team, it wasn't the same team after the bye week. So after they lost to the Saints handily, um, there was definitely a vibe of, okay, well, maybe this isn't the year. But after the bye week and after they started winning and piecing things together and you saw um, these, these flashes uh, become more consistent. I think that's when the fan base slowly started to believe. The, the players always believed, but the fan base slowly got on board towards the end of the regular season. And you have a unique uh, role at the uh, WFLA TV station in Tampa. You're the official TV station of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, is that correct? Correct. Yes. So you have a unique role getting uh, to interact uh, with the with the team on on. Uh, I know it wasn't a typical uh, season, but getting to interact with the team on game days, um, being on the jumbotron and uh, bringing the fans exclusive uh, coverage. Right. Tell me a little more about that. So the work that I did during um, the home games with the jumbotron, I worked with um, an amazing crew with Buck Vision, which is their internal broadcast for the the jumbotron mm-hmm. Raymond James. 
So my my role was to do around the league highlights. So it was basically NFL red zone and I would do in-game cut-ins. So I would do highlights of other games going on around the league during the game. And then I would do a halftime report as far as stats for the Bucks game in particular. Um, so that was that role, you know, just wearing two hats because you're trying to keep track of all of the other games. And I have a producer and somebody that edits it and all, all of the things um, to help with that. But, you know, you're still trying to pay attention to the Bucks game. So, you know, it's like I have my laptop open. I'm doing all of this, trying to follow the Bucks game and watch that and then also follow all the other games. So game days for home games are super busy because as soon as I have my last hit for the Jumbotron in the fourth quarter, I like grab up all my gear and take my laptop and run down the hallway to the press box to, to flip it up for, um, for Zooms, for post-game Zooms. And then I head down to the field or concourse level this mm-hmm. year and um, shoot my stand-ups and, and mm-hmm. do all of that stuff afterwards. Well, it was certainly a different sort of football season. So we, uh, but excellent, excellent work uh, in in down there in, in sunny Florida. It's uh, it's freezing cold here in uh, Louisiana. We're getting ready for a, a massive cold front to come through. But uh, I I digress. <laughs> so uh, speaking of um, you know moving forward, that's uh, you know the Bucks were world champs with an impressive core group, including local products, Devin White and Leonard Fournette. Uh, You know, after the Saints, you know, dominated the division for four years running, you know, it would seem to me that there's a new favorite, you know, Tom Brady's not going anywhere. Rob Gronkowski, you know, the, the, the defense dominated the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in the Super Bowl. Like I've never seen him run before. I mean, do you think that there's a new there's officially a new favorite in, in, in the division, Karen? I think it's no longer the Saints and everybody else. It's the Saints yeah. and the Bucks at the top, for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. That's a great way to put it. I mean, it's painful for, for Saints fans, but it's that is an excellent way to put it. I mean, and Bucks fans are definitely having some fun with, with that. Uh, we just saw that their Bucks fans are raising money for a uh, billboard to kind of troll Saints fans that says we dat with Tom Brady's picture on it. So next time I get down to New Orleans, I'll be looking for that. I'll have my eyes peeled for it. I mean, but hey, I'd be excited too if it had been almost 20 years since my team won a Super Bowl. I mean, I remember when the Saints won their title, their first one ever, 11 years ago, it was a feeling you just couldn't describe. What what was it like after the Bucks won it in their home stadium, the first team ever to do that? I mean, you got to hand it to them. That was impressive. It was really, really incredible to be a part of. And to see what this team was able to do, I mean, I don't think people are like realizing what Tom Brady did in his first year with a new team. I, it's just beyond me. I mean, it's just, you know, I talk about the LSU season being a storybook season. This is right up there as far as things that I've got to experience. And this might even be top if they're just 1A and 1B for the most amazing things that I've gotten to cover. You just can't write a better script. And the being there for them to win it. We were standing outside after the game, outside of the stadium, and we had a two-hour live broadcast. 
and I was between hits and I looked at our sports photographer and I was like, do you believe it? And he's like, he shakes his head and he said, they just, they just won the Super Bowl. Like just absolutely incredible to be a part of. And the fact that they got to do it right there in the in their very city. And it's painful to admit that that was an incredible thing. Now, Karen, you know, you, of course, also covered Drew Brees and the Saints, like we've said, for three years from 2017 to 2020. So you have a unique angle having covered two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks who then got to face off against each other for one season. So just kind of talk about that a little bit, uh, that that unique perspective of when those two uh, played each other, seeing they got to play three times during during the season, seeing those two legends square off. And then, of course, in the playoffs, those those moments that went viral, you know, with Tom Brady and Drew and Drew after the postseason divisional round loss when they were, you know, after the game on the Superdome turf, Tom throwing touchdown passes to Drew Brees' sons. I mean, just talk about those two and what they mean to the game from your angle. They are living legends. They are two of the best to do it. And, uh, you know, as you asked, I mean, I'm just incredibly fortunate to have been able to cover, you know, Drew Brees for three seasons and now Tom Brady won going into the second one. And they're just such an example of how to do things the right way, how to work hard, how to take care of your body and the impact that one person can have on a locker room and the respect that they command because of their demonstrated ability and ability to win. And I think that is what sets them apart is their consistency and how they just set an example by how they perform, how they carry themselves. And that trickles down in the locker room. And I think that's one of the the neatest things to see is to have an entire locker room buy in to their leader, not only just the coaches, but also that second coach essentially on the field, which is just an invaluable thing. Bruce Arians has been saying this a few times. He's told the story a few times throughout the course of the season about Tom Brady being a second coach. And he said, you know, I tell, I tell a guy to run his route and, you know, Hey, you're not, you're not pumping your arms. You need to pump your arms. And player goes, all right, cool. All right. And just goes about what he's doing. Tom Brady looks at him and says the same thing. Hey man, you really got to pump your, your arms in that route. You got to, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. And coming from him, it's a totally different thing. So it's, it's just such an asset to have. And I don't think there's, it can be overstated how valuable Tom Brady and Drew Brees are to their respective franchises. I love that. That's a great point. And that that trickle down effect in the locker room is, is something that that uh, it's just so valuable. And when teams don't have it, you notice it on the field. It translates instantly from week to week. So Karen, OK, Karen, here's a, here's a question we're all dying to know. Tampa looks like a beautiful city and those Florida beaches, I mean, are of course amazing, but what do you miss most about your time in New Orleans? I miss my friends. Um, the, The media group that we had in New Orleans, the sports media group in particular was so close. And some of my best friends 
or my media colleagues at the other stations. And then you talk about the media relations people with the Saints and the Pelicans and LSU and, and Tulane. I mean, just, you know, you work so much and you put so many hours in, that becomes your family. And my closest mm-hmm. friends were the ones that I saw every day. And I would look forward to that all the time. And countless times that my colleagues and friends would, would help me out either to hold the mic or to, you know, give me extra batteries or anything like that. I mean, I miss the heck out of that close knit sports community in New Orleans. I also miss just the vibe there. Like it's unlike anything else anywhere else. And I think most people who have spent time in New Orleans, like actually lived in New Orleans, will say that, you know, having to do three Mardi Gras Mm -hmm. was was really neat. I mean, I just think that you should live in different places (laughs) of the world to see, even in different parts of the country, to see how people live their lives and what Mardi Gras is really about. Um, So that's what I would say. I mean, I just met so many amazing people um, at WGNO and the other stations that, uh, that were just amazing. Oh, I love that. I know. I mean, it, the Mardi Gras, we're, we're, we're recording this the Friday before Mardi Gras. And I know Mardi Gras is going to look different this year for the first time in my 32 years of life. I'm not going to be in New Orleans. And that's, that's extremely painful for me. I, I got engaged at Mardi Gras and it was, it was just, uh, it's painful, but anyway, we could all decide <laughs> yeah. that all just aside, that's real. Like this is such a huge part of New Orleans culture. So to have the, the pandemic going on, and obviously that's way more serious, but it's also Mardi Gras is a really big part of New Orleans life. And to have it look so different and to like not have it is just like I feel that for New Orleans. Like I get it. Like that's that stinks. And and that makes me, you know, happy that you got to experience our, you know, the vibe of our city, you know, for three years. I mean, do you have a favorite restaurant? Oh, I have a few. I gotta, I gotta shout out Katie's. Katie's is my favorite. Um, Chef Scott. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yes, the best. Um, Katie's is probably one of my favorites. I would always take people there. Okay. Um, that's a good one. Let me think. I didn't eat out a ton, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Katie's was my go-to. Gosh, I'm totally blanking. Um, but yes. That's- hey, no, I know it's been a while. You haven't been, you know, traveling out of Florida a whole lot, except for, you know, work stuff. I like Bearcat. Bearcat was really good for brunch. Surrey's was really good for brunch. I know. I know. We we have just a few to pick from, Karen. So. so I think that's the problem is like there's so many good ones, but those are those are some of the some of the best ones. I did pizza. I started a pizza in the playbook segment, so I ate at a lot of pizza places. That's Amore Pizza is good. Mid City Pizza is good. Yeah, yes, the amazing. pizza. Yes, the pizza in the playbook. That was a that was a great segment. Yes, I w- when I was you know preparing for the for the episode, I I watched some of those and those were great, great. So, <laughs> I um before we let you go, do you think Super Bowl boat parades are going to become a trend? Because that looked like so much fun. <laughs> I hope it's a trend for Tampa. I don't know if I want other cities trying to do what we're doing. Um, but it was the coolest thing, but it was just a very Tampa thing. 
So I encourage other NFL cities, if and when other teams win their Super Bowl, to do something that's unique to their city. Like Tampa and the greater Tampa area is so heavily based on living on the water. And that's just a huge part of this city. So I think it was very appropriate. The Lightning did a boat parade too when they won the Stanley Cup championship. So they sort of started it. But, you know, the Bucks. whoa, that was just unlike anything I've ever seen. It was just a really, really neat thing. It was just a perfect ending to this championship season. Yeah, it looked pretty festive, I have to say, <laughs> from the from the images and the videos that we saw. But uh, uh, New Orleans knows how to throw pretty good parades. So I think we'll, uh, the Saints, you know, bring home a Super Bowl again, which hopefully they will uh, once we figure out the salary cap situation and bring in a good draft class in 2021. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have another Super Bowl to celebrate sooner rather than later. But I think we know how to have a pretty good parade here, as you can attest from your three Mardi Gras. <laughs> yes. And yes. New Orleans has been setting the bar in parades for a long time. <laughs> no doubt. So Karen, uh, where can our listeners connect more with you? Sure. Um, super active on Twitter at WFLA Karen and on Instagram too at, at Casey Loftus. Excellent. We will link those up in the show notes as always. And Karen, thank you so much for sharing your awesome journey in sports. And we hope to talk again. Thanks so much for having me on, Rachel. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, oodah.